This week on Personally Speaking, our guest is Lydia Bastianich. You know Lydia as the TV chef. She's also a great author and the successful uh, owner and operator of any number of restaurants where people flock to because of her great food and I think in many ways because of her great personality. Stay with us. Hello and welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Losanti. One of the best-loved chefs, Lydia Bastianich, joins me now. Lydia is an Emmy Award-winning public television host. She's also a best-selling author, a successful restaurateur, and the owner of a flourishing food and entertainment business. In 2008, Pope Benedict XVI chose Lydia to cook for him during his visit to New York City. And then in 2015, Pope Francis also chose Lydia to cook for him during his much-lauded visit to New York City. Lydia works with her son Joseph and her daughter Tanya in her multiple culinary endeavors. Her latest book, co-authored with her daughter Tanya, is called Lydia's A Pot, A Pan, and a Bowl, Simple Recipes for Perfect Meals. She's here with us today to talk about that, as well as about her life, her family, her faith, and why cooking remains a medium a way of connecting to others. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking once again, our friend, Lydia Bastianich. I want to thank Lydia for being with us and welcome her to Personally Speaking. I should say welcome her back to Personally Speaking. Uh, Lydia, we're going to talk about this wonderful new book. It's called Lydia's A Pot, A Pan, and a Bowl. We'll talk about that, but beforehand, Lydia, when I'm in the city, I, uh, I like to frequent places, you may have heard of them, one called Felidia, another one called Becca. Um, and then when it used to be open, I would go to your son's place. When I had someone else paying for the bill, I'd go to Del Posto. But I mentioned all that. <laughs> I mentioned all that because uh, when I'm on Long Island, I go to a place called Dario's in Rockville Center. And the family yes. there, they come from the same part of the world you come they from. They do. They do. I know, I know Dario. The Dario and the, ki the kids are running right. it now. V Viscovich. Viscovich, I think. they Exactly. But let me ask you something. People don't know. Is that Yugoslavia? Is that Italy? The, the roots for people like yourself and their family, wh where is it? Okay, now it's Croatia. It's Croatia, it's border, okay. Now it's Croatia, but it was Italy. Before that, it was also Austrian-Hungarian. Then uh. Yugoslavia after World War II, you know, Italy lost the war. So it lost that area. So it became Yugoslavia and uh. then, then Croatia. So back and forth. But actually, the culture there, the people there are really border, border kind of people. Okay. We speak more than one language, two, three. I am Italian and we speak Italian at home and whatever, but I speak Croatian or Yugoslavian as well. And, and so it's a, a borderline situation, Father. Okay. And, and uh, what year did you come from there to our country? 1958. 1958. So tell us a little bit about that. Growing up in what is a little bit Italy, a little bit Yugoslavia, uh, what was life like for you after the war? Well, uh, so uh, the war ended in 44. Right. Uh, uh, there was a few years of decision making there in 1947. 
the Paris Treaty, and that's the year I was born, ultimately decided where the border would go. And Istria, which is the little peninsula that is now kind of uh, Croatia, that is now Croatia, that's where I was born. And that became Yugoslavia. It was became communist Yugoslavia. Right. We were restricted. We couldn't speak uh, Italian. We couldn't go to church. We couldn't do many things. Wow. And uh, yeah, life life was, was tough. You know, I grew up in a situation as a child, when you grow up, you realize that there's something different that when you whisper in Italian right. or where my grandma would take me to church now and then because my mother was a teacher and she couldn't be seen going to church because of communism. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of restrictions in growing up. So, I, you know, you realize there's something that's not right. And in 1956, my parents decided they needed to move on. And uh, my mother, my brother and I went to visit family because we had family on the other side of the border mm -hmm. uh, that remained in Italy. Uh, they wouldn't let the whole family go father. They, wow. because, you know, they held one person as a hostage, which was my father. And about 10 days after we were with my aunt in Trieste, Italy, he escaped the border and joined us. I mean, wow. you know, they shot at him and whatever, he made it. And we were in Trieste uh, with mm -hmm. our uh, relatives, but, you know, my parents wanted to set their own lives. My father didn't have any papers because he escaped, mm -hmm. ultimately went to the police. They put us in a political refugee camp, ah. San Saba. The camp is now in Trieste. It's a museum. Huh. And we were there for two years, from 56 to 58. And then Dwight Eisenhower was the president. He mm -hmm. opened the uh, immigration for people fleeing communism. And that's what we were. And uh, the, the, the Catholic Relief Service Services brought us to America uh, when Dwight Eisenhower opened that visa. We got the visa and uh, the Catholic Relief Services and the Catholic Charities brought us to America. We have nobody here. They got us going. And you see, with the help of people and God and whatever you, you know, you, yeah. you go places. Lydia, when, when your family left what is now Croatia at that point, it was still Italian. They had to have left everything behind, huh? Everything. We left everything, everything. behind. Grandma was there. So, you know, they sort of got, uh, uh, there wasn't much to leave. But nonetheless, uh, mm -hmm. it was uh, grandma and grandpa and some of the cousins that were there kind of took whatever was there. But we left everything behind. Nothing came with us. I know you were very young, but do you have any memories of the refugee camp? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no. I remember vividly, you know, two years. I mean, when we first came uh, in uh, and I was younger, when I was nine or whatever, it, it was uh, it, it really because they quarantine you. They take mm. you, they separate, you know, they separated my father. My mother and my brother and I stayed together because the children stayed with the parents, but they separated my father. And, you know, I still remember the 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 angoscia, shall we say, the the of, of maybe, you know, feeling that I will never see my father again. Oh. Uh, and so, you know, they quarantine you, they, they disinfect you, all of the procedures going through the camp. And we were kind of in this quarantine for 40 days. And this dark place looks like a prison. We had a little window that we could see outside. So it was, it, I remember, I remember vividly. And even after that, we were set in little kind of cubicles of houses. You know, we had two sort of uh, beds on top of each other. What, what, what do they call them? One for me, my brother, and one for mm -hmm. my parents in this little kind of uh, room uh, uh, in this big loft 
were many families and the rooms were only separated by plywood or things like that. You know, right. there was no real privacy, no real. And for food, we went online every day downstairs. Oh. There was, yeah, La Menza, the, 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 the dining hall. And we all with a little plate went online for food. So, yeah, you know, for me to end up cooking food and all of that, there was time when I was not having enough food. Yeah. Lydia, uh, I, I, when I said that I was having you on the program today, people said, uh, Monsignor Jim, do you know how to say her last name? And I said, I'm going to ask her that. What's the proper way to say it? Bastianich. Okay, I got it right. Good, good, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, going back to that whole experience of coming from another country to this country, um, you know, when I, I we all watch what's going on on the southern border, and I said to the people in my parish recently, I know we all wish there could be laws that would make this thing smoother, but... I said, try to imagine if you can that you were a parent knowing that there was no hope for your children. There was only poverty and violence. Wouldn't you do anything you had to to save your children and give them a better future? And I want people to keep that in mind. I mentioned that because you can't, as a person who migrated from another country and went through a, a challenging process to do it, you can't watch all these uh, controversies in America without having some spirit of resonance. Do you have any insight, Lydia, into what our disposition should be toward the person who wants to come to America? You know, uh, absolutely. You know, I was in that condition. Hmm. We were lucky enough that, you know, we were given an opportunity to come. We were being helped by the, the, the community, the Catholic charities. Hmm. Uh, when we were, they brought us here and they found a little home for us in New Jersey. And then the whole Catholic community, really the Italians, the Italian Americans rallied and brought us. They were bringing food to us at home. They were bringing clothes. They were bringing chairs, uh, towels, all of yeah. this. So they kind of, you know, this helping each other. So absolutely, I am a product of somebody mm -hmm. that was given a chance, that was helped. By, mm -hmm. by the goodness of others, you know, pure, you know, no, no major uh, uh, organization, just people that would come with their, with their shopping bags full of things. They knew that this new family had moved in and they had two kids and they would bring things for us. So uh, absolutely, it, it's, it breaks my heart to see those children and the, and the families and kind of, you know, trekking through the desert, through the rivers and all of that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, having having said that, uh, I also, you know, remember being very grateful and very respectful of the mm. country that till this day, yes. you know, uh, I knew that, you know, I was given a great opportunity and yeah. I respect and honor this country and worked, my parents worked from the very beginning. So you have to, you know, it's a, it's a two-way street. We have to right. give them the opportunity. We have to help them. And on the other hand, they have to sort of get the strength to pull their family together, to build and to become part mm -hmm. of this great country and to help to construct this great country because you know look at the italian immigrants a while back you know all the the roads that were built the railroads that right. were built you know they worked very hard they were given an opportunity for their family and uh you know i think one of the greatest gifts and opportunities is also education an yeah. opportunity for children to be educated because when you're educated you have an opportunity to a new life to make for yourself a life worth living you know, uh, Lydia, you've heard him say, and I have too, uh, Pope Francis often speaks about the 
importance of the Christian conscience to welcome the stranger. And some people in our country will say, oh, he's such a liberal because he says that. But actually, it's just fundamental to our Christian belief. And I'm so happy that back then and continuing today, the Catholic charities and the Catholic Church were there to assist in the process of bringing people uh, to this new land. And that's a wonderful thing. Now, Lydia, for our listeners and watchers around the country and around the world, Lydia went on then to work herself very, very hard to build a business. And my next question, Lydia, would be, how does one, because you're a very, very successful businesswoman, how does one build a business and at the same time uh, build a family? Well, it takes balancing. But let mm. me say, uh, I think that what's important, that a person really invests in themselves, mm. that they take the time to educate, to be balanced, spiritually balanced, uh, 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 make, you know, you are a special person on you, the rest of your life and your family's life will be based. So invest in being the right person, uh, the person for this world the right way. Then you get your, uh, uh, whatever your passion is or whatever you achieved mm -hmm. and you need a lot of passion, commitment and a lot of hard work to achieve something. Mm -hmm. You know, to achieve in life, you just got to do it. Uh, you got to, uh, uh, life, family, you know, being a woman, especially in my industry, uh, it wasn't easy because my <laughs> industry is a late hour industry, all of that. But I was blessed because, you know, we always as a family stay together. So the, the mm -hmm. togetherness of families is so important for support, for affection, for love, for uh, moral support, all of that. For me right. also, to, for me to achieve what I did is because my mother and my father, they lived with us, whether on the, uh, in the apartment underneath or next uh. door. We were always close by. So my kids, as I had my kids, we raised them together. They helped me raise my kids. Mm. And the children are all the better for it. You know, uh, I think that sometimes uh, uh, older people, grandparents uh, in this society are disregarded. You know, they're finished. Mm. They're gone. They're not. They have so much to give. Right, right. They have a whole life experience. They have, you know, they sort of have settled. They, they don't have any more big, big goals in their life, but they mm. have the accumulation of all of their experience. They can give strength to the next generation, to their grandchildren, to the great-grandchildren. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, that was my case. You know, I know how much I refer or, or differ to my grandmother and mm. my children do the same. So, you know, one thing certainly that I would like to leave out there is respect the grandparents, bring your children close to your grandparents so they can really support each other because they need each other. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree with you more, Lydia. I am the caretaker for my 101-year-old mother, but she teaches more than I can ever hope to learn from anybody else. There you it's go. A, it's there a great, great gift. Now, Lydia, for those who don't know, has a wonderfully successful career uh, as an author of books, the one I mentioned early on, but also uh, as a TV personality, as Lydia the chef that everyone knows. But Lydia, uh, so much of what you do obviously is a hands-on, people-to-people restaurant business. How did you and the people that you work with handle the incredible challenge of the pandemic? Pandemic was was uh, uh, uh a blow to the whole industry. Mm. We actually closed all of our restaurants. Uh. And, you know, to now I'm in the business since 71, so it's 50 years. Wow. And so I had people working for me 30 and more years. 
I had to let go. It was devastating to see these families that I saw develop and that were part of me. I couldn't help. I, there's nothing I could have done. Uh, so slowly we are rebuilding. It's not the same. Not everything opened that we had closed. Uh, uh, my kids actually are, are sort of spearheading the whole system now. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we are slowly getting back on our feet. You know, I think restaurants are one of the oldest institutions in yeah. a sense, you know, yeah. people, thousands of years when people traveled, they would stop at tourist store. That's what the restaurant name comes from, mm -hmm. tourist store on their travels. And so the restaurants were thousands of years ago, this little, to help people along the way. But now it's, uh, it's uh, really a social place for people. And I think that given the pandemic, and given the social media that we have that keeps us actually isolated, uh, mm -hmm. places where people can gather, share food, there's nothing better than sharing food. Right. It's the basis. I mean, the Catholic uh, uh, religion, you know, the mass is <laughs> the sharing meal. of. Uh -huh. It's the sharing of. So there's nothing better than that. And restaurant will continue to uh, uh, open up and blossom and, and to be for mm -hmm. people but it was tough it was I'm really sure. tough it's still it's still the tough is a, the going is a little tough lydia you know very often on a program like this we have uh, especially because we're new york based so many uh, actors from tv and theater and i'll ask them you know if you have children would you want them to go into the arts and oddly enough many of them say no it's it, there's too much up and down too much rejection too much disappointment heartbreak uh, you know, if they can't do anything else, then they have to follow their, their muse. But I asked in the same way, uh, Joseph, your son and, and Tanya, these, these children of yours have followed your path. I'm just wondering, did you ever wish for them to go another direction? Oh, yes. You know, <laughs> when they were, when they were smaller and growing up being teenagers and they would come around the restaurant, you know, and they kind of liked the, 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 the energy that was gone. But I always used to tell them, this is not what you want to do. You <laughs> had a great opportunity. We came to America. Grandma and grandpa really sacrificed. And you have to get an education. And you have to get a real job, an American <laughs> job. I didn't know what that meant. Right. But let me tell you, Joe finished uh, his, his business uh, school went to Merrill Lynch, worked in Wall Street for quite a few years. My daughter, Tanya, ultimately got her PhD in Renaissance art history from Oxford. Wow. But now they're both in the industry of choice <laughs> of their own. <laughs> and you're happy about that because you, you love what they've chosen. Well, you know, I'm happy because that's what they chose mm -hmm. at the end. And they're happy. And uh, it, it makes me proud uh, at the end that they chose to do to continue what we did what you know the mother and father did let me ask you i noticed uh, even on uh, lydia's a pot a pan and a bowl as well as so many other places obviously you work closely with tanya i'm wondering because there are so many uh, mothers and children who sometimes can't get along and certainly can't work closely together what's it like to work closely with people that you obviously love as your children but now as co-workers how does that work you have to shift gears. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's tough. You have to understand, you know, where motherhood leaves off and mm. where business enters. You cannot cross the borders. But the one thing that I understood was that, you know, they certainly couldn't 
travel in my shadow. Mm-hmm. I needed to let them develop so that they can get the gratification, so that they can enjoy themselves, so they can have the growth, express themselves. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons that sort of, you know, I let them run the, the business now. I'm always there. I'm always in the background. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're, they're running the business. And it's, it's a question of that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't have our squabbles. Right. You know, you do. But I think as a, as a, it's knowing where uh, uh, parenting ends and finishes and business partners uh, begins, sort mm-hmm. of the business element. And you got to keep that separation very firm. It's not easy. You know, uh, for our listeners and viewers, Lydia, not just in this book, but in other writings, uh, is, is clearly a woman with a deep and abiding faith that has sustained her values that last. I mentioned that, Lydia, because uh, so many uh, parents, grandparents watch and listen to a show like this. Do you have any insight into what did you do right uh, in terms of trying to pass on the values that really matter to you, to the children you love? Well, I think maybe the path that life has taken me, that God has given me, has has given me uh, many opportunities to to learn about mm. life. You know, being uh, the separation of grandma and all that, that was very hard for me at a young age. But mm-hmm. you need to understand that, you know, life brings those kind of things and you have to move on. Then in camp, understanding all these different people, these poor people that were, you know, and they were all because they were from Eastern Europe escaping communism. Mm -hmm. They were from Hungary. They were from Czechoslovakia. So all the diversity of people and you learn to coexist in a sense. You learn to understand each other the best, give each other uh, uh, a shape. And also when uh, we came to to Trieste, back into Italy, um, uh, I was, there was a, a woman that was kind enough and paid for me to go to uh, the Canossian nuns, to a, a school with nuns. And sort of my my uh, uh, spiritual, my religion was kind of reinstilled in me. And, uh, uh, you know, I really realized uh, what, what power that has mm-hmm. in one's being, you know, being uh, um, uh, uh, sort of having this inner uh, uh belief credo yeah. that somebody is there for you all the time you know it's yeah. it's uh, uh that has given me a lot of uh, a lot of strength and uh, uh you know i reinforce that continuously and that uh, you know you have to forgive me that doesn't mean that i every sunday i'm at church <laughs> but spiritually i am so connected did you know that I cooked for Pope Francis and Pope Ratzinger <laughs> when they came to New York? I cooked for both of them. Isn't that great? What did you make them? Well, <laughs> well Pope, Pope Ratzinger came first. You know, he's kind of <laughs> on the German side. So I did a little bit of that uh, uh, German Slavic. His mother was a chef. I oh, did uh, I, I did goulash. I did uh, strudel for him. Uh, I did a good soup for both of them. Uh, I did uh, spetzels for him, sauerkraut. This is, you know, and he really appreciated. Um, Pope Francis, I wanted, you know what I wanted to do for Pope Francis? Because Argentinian, even right. though he is from Piedmont right. originally, 
but I was going to do a nice piece of prime rib of beef. But the Vatican nixed me. It says, no, he's not feeling good. So I made some soup, some nice uh, chicken soup. And then uh -huh. I made some grilled fish. Uh, I made, he likes dessert. I make a nice peach tart for him. <laughs> so so it was, it was, uh, it was great. So I had a lot of great opportunities in uh, last week. I just did uh, uh, uh uh, a fundraiser for futures uh, in education. You know, it's mm -hmm. a Brooklyn and Queens diocese, diocese right, with right. Uh, Bishop De Marzio. Uh, mm -hmm. This is for for children uh, to give them scholarship to be able to attend Catholic school. And they're wonderful. We raised two point two million dollars. Can you imagine that? Isn't that great? And and uh, uh, the wonderful thing is, uh, 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 Monsignor Jamie Gigante. Right. He he runs the, the show there. Uh, he said that there's an increase in uh, um, uh, students attending Catholic schools, a 2% mm -hmm. increase. This is wonderful because I remember, you know, a few years ago, Catholic schools closing and all that. Mm -hmm. And that I felt that very uh, sad moment for 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 us for our yeah. religion. Uh, but now he said it's so this is so I get involved with these kind of things. It's wonderful. And you're right. The pandemic showed the great value of Catholic schools. And we're, we're thrilled that more people are coming forward saying, I'm going to give that. It's extra work because people are paying taxes and then they have to do Catholic school tuition, but they're going to work hard to do it because they realize the value of that Catholic education. Lydia, before we go off, aside from the book that we've already mentioned, for our listeners and viewers around the world, um, where can they find out more about the things you write, the things you do? Is there a website for Lydia? There is. It's lydiasitaly.com all one word no apostrophe okay. and then i'm on youtube uh i am uh, uh, tuto lydia i have also on youtube i am on instagram i am a twitter a facebook you know lydia bastianich facebook right. so they could really find out uh there about me where i'm up to and what am i doing I want to thank Lydia for being with us. Lydia, you are great. You know, you, you're tireless and you're, you've got a generous heart. You're driven. You you're value things that really matter, both about our country and the world and our faith. Um, I hope I hope in some ways you live forever because you have so much to teach so many and you give of yourself so generously. Uh, really, I've got a mad crush on you, woman, and I hope you live forever. So, <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know forever. I'll take I'll take close to 100. Okay. <laughs> All <laughs> right, you're, Father. You're Thank the best. You. Thank you for being with us. God bless. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get past programs as well as our current programs on YouTube by going to Personally Speaking with Monsignor Gilmasanti. Please don't forget to click like and subscribe. You can also find our shows at personallyspeakingpodcast.buzzsprout.com or www.closeencountertv.com or www.ollmp.org. Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Gimosanti. We're also now on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. Please share and let others know about Personally Speaking. I want to thank, if I can, uh, all of those involved in the support of Personally Speaking. I'm, I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, personally speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.